Um, we're going to talk about romantic relationships today since we're on the subject of Valentine's Day. I'll talk on this week and next week. And we're going to talk around a bit on the subject of expectations today. Um, but you remember a couple years ago when COVID first started, and we're almost two years into this, that when COVID first started and this pandemic first started, there were all kinds of news articles coming out about marriages in trouble and how it's been difficult on marriages. I mean, here's an article from uh, 2020, you know, divorces have increased during the coronavirus pandemic and lawyers are expecting more and, and COVID-19 infecting marriages, driving up divorce numbers, say family mediators. And there seemed to be this, this kind of spike of, of divorces or at least inquiries when, when COVID first started. And uh, now we're kind of two years later into this and we've just passed through, which in those who are in the industry of divorce called Divorce Month or sometimes called Divorce Day, which is the, the first day back from the holidays. After families have spent lots of time together, usually it's when things get tight and tense. It's also September is the highest month for divorces also, because after the summer holidays, when families have spent time together and, and there's tension. Well, uh, what's been going on after Divorce Month? Well, one uh, divorce lawyer said, uh, or article here in Global News, so there's no question that COVID-19 pandemic has put serious strain on many relationships. And one Canadian lawyer says the rate of people inquiring about divorce has skyrocketed in the new year. Russell Alexander, a family lawyer in Toronto, told Global News his firm was flooded with calls last week from people looking for more information about leaving their spouse. Russell Alexander, collaborative family lawyer, say, say, saw 68% more inquiries between January 3rd and 7th then did it did during this previous set record which occurred last July and so uh, some of the articles actually say you know things are getting worse for marriage but it's interesting other statistics say things have actually been slightly better and of course this is the nature of statistics you can always find statistics that say one thing or the other but uh, other statistics from UK say that divorce rates actually fell four and a half percent during the pandemic and so some say it's getting worse some say it's getting better and just just by obvious um, I mean we, we see that um, you know some marriages are doing better and some are doing worse uh, and the reason is that that major stressors stressors are relationship accelerators um, if your marriage is doing well and there's a major stressor like a pandemic or maybe a death in the family or something serious that's going on, it'll accelerate what's there. And so uh, if your marriage is doing well and there's a stressor, your marriage will tend to get better because that couple will turn towards each other. But if a marriage is not doing well and there's a major stressor like COVID, it will drive that couple apart. It's like stepping on the gas in your car. Uh, stressors will accelerate whatever has been kind of brewing underneath your marriage. And for some, COVID-19 has been the best thing ever for their relationship uh, for their, with their intimate partner. Uh, for one, some people have been less busy and get to spend more time together. Uh, some couples maybe were wrapped up so much in work and busyness and taking the kids everywhere that the COVID-19 has been like, hey, we get to spend more time together and it's been good. For some say that it's been better because they've had a greater appreciation for each other's work. Uh, there's been more time at home and more time to see each other working. And it's like, wow, you actually do a lot. And that creates more appreciation. Uh, some have, of course, been turning towards each other and dealing with the stress. Under stress, sometimes couples will turn towards each other. Sometimes couples will turn apart. 
and uh, couples that are doing well have been turning towards each other to manage the stress of the pandemic. And uh, also some say it's been better because the stress has caused some people to reach out for professional help, like they've gone to therapy. Uh, dealing with the anxiety and stress of the pandemic, they find themselves in the therapy's o therapist's office and they're working through their own junk. And all of a sudden, as they're working through their own junk, they find that that actually has a benefit on their marriage. And so some people say, this has been the best thing ever. On the other hand, others have said, this has been the worst thing ever. Um, it's very much like a bridge with a crack, that the pressure of the pandemic has for some exposed cracks in relationships that were already present. I mean, the problem hasn't been the pandemic. Again, the pandemic simply is a relationship accelerator. And so if things are good, it probably made it better. If things were bad underneath, it's exposed some of the cracks. I mean, it's like a, a bridge that is, has a crack in it. I mean, you can drive cars across that bridge all day long and it's fine, but you take a, a big tractor trailer and drive it on that bridge, the weight of that stress creates cracks and the bridge collapse. And some marriages have collapsed during the pandemic because the pressure has exposed weaknesses. Uh, one therapist said this, unhappy but stable pre-pandemic couples might have re remained stable by spending considerable time apart before March 2020 between commutes, work hours, social engagements, family obligations, and kids' activities Married couples could function day to day without spending much time together. Many unhappy couples had sufficient distractions to prevent their attention from settling on the state of their marriage. Stay-at-home orders and social isolation recommendations changed that. Suddenly, couples couldn't ignore their relationship. And of course, just the opinions that are out there has made some couples um, fight more. I mean, just one article about, you know, arguing with your partner over COVID, you're not alone with the pandemic straining many relationships. I mean, some couples have completely different opinions on the pandemic and it's been very, very difficult for some couples. Uh, one divorce lawyer said, the most common conflict I see is where the custodial parents have different outlooks on COVID and how it affects their children. One saying we should vaccinate them. Others said, no, you know, you got to wear a mask all the time. No, you don't, you know, on and on and on. I mean, lately we see struggle in relationships over even things like the, 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 the trucker thing going on in, in Canada here, that people are severing friendships. And again, it's created a lot of strain in some marriages because sometimes uh, one person has an opinion this way and one has an opinion that way. And because this has been so emotionally violent, vi uh, uh, crazy in our country, that has put just more strain on many marriages. And so... Uh, some are doing better, some are doing worse. And, you know, of course, Valentine's weekend, those marriages that are doing well, usually are excited about Valentine's Day. And those couples that are struggling, usually it's just like, this is a reminder that things aren't going well. Or maybe if you're here and you've had, you know, a long-time relationship with somebody and, and it's crumbled and maybe, maybe you are divorced. I mean, it can be a painful weekend just thinking through some of those memories. But, you know, God's grace, grace has you through this. But... I also want to talk a little bit about uh, boosting the quality of your relationship and just talking about some, some sort of modern research that has come in. First of all, uh, you just want to acknowledge that this is a stressful time and respond with extra grace and patience. And this isn't just for married people or, 
romantic partners, but for all of us. I mean, just name it. Like, this is a really stressful time. <laughs> and right now, it's a stressful time in Canada. And there's a lot of hot opinions on everything right now. But it's like, we just need a little extra patience with each other. This is what Ephesians 4 2 says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love towards one another, especially towards those who may try your patience. Or Colossians 3, 2, clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Or as Paul said in Timothy uh, 3.10, he says, you know my faith, my patience, and my love. And really we should be able to say that to our spouse. Hey, you know my patience, and my gentleness, and my love. I mean, is that something that, that if you said to your spouse or your romantic partner, would they say, yeah, that's, that's true of you in this time? If not, then... Uh, just allow the Spirit of God to work in those areas, to bring that patience in this time of, of stress. Uh, for the rest of our time, I want to talk on the subject of putting work into your marriage and having a bit more uh, realistic expectations. One thing I've done for probably at least the past 20 years is every year I, le I read at least one book on marriage or relationships, and sometimes I read more than one. Uh, but it's been, been what I've done. And uh, recently I've read this book called The All or Nothing Marriage. And it's a very research-based book. But it's talking about modern marriages and all the latest research. And part of the conclusion is, uh, he says, that the average marriage has gotten worse over time, over history. That more marriages are in trouble than ever in history. But at the same time, uh, the best marriages are actually getting better. So on average... Marriages are harder than ever, but at the same time, the good marriage is actually doing better than ever in history. And so he basically says, you have the opportunity to have the best marriages in the history of the world right now, just the way the world is set up. But it also takes a heck of a lot more work to get there because a good marriage is harder than ever in history. And uh, he gives a, a brief history of marriage in this book. And he kind of says generally up to 1850, marriage was primarily oriented towards helping spouses meet their basic economic and survival needs. In other words, you know, I need a second pair of hands to work on the farm. You know, I need someone I can have kids with and have a family. And so we can just survive and have food on the table. That, you know, marriage wasn't actually all that much about love, about romance, you know, finding someone that's going to be your best friend. It was basically, I need someone to help me survive. And marriages were relatively easy because it was easy to find someone who could help you survive in those days. Then around 1850 to about 1965, marriages turned towards more of a love-based uh, foundation that placed a premium in helping spouses meet their love and intimacy needs. In other words, people didn't just need to survive because, you know, things in culture were more affluent. And now it was like, I want someone who could love me and help me feel secure. It was very love-based and romantic-based um, relationships until 1965. And then around that time, there was something that was added. So people still want someone that, to love them, still are looking for that romantic relationship and someone to make them feel secure. But now there's an added of a, a self-expressive emphasis that places a premium on spouses helping each other meet their authentic and personal growth needs. And so not only are people in society today looking for someone who would love them deeply, but they want someone who's going to help them grow 
help them reach their dreams. You know, you know, God has a call on my life and I want you to help me get there. So the requirements for a good marriage in today's culture, be it good or bad, are very high, higher than ever in history. Uh, Eli Finkel, who wrote the book, says, in contrast to our predecessors who looked to their marriage to help them survive, we look to our marriage to meet our needs for passion and intimacy and to facilitate our voyages of self-discovery and personal growth. Success at these higher altitudes requires the investment of significant time and energy in the marriage. In other words, if you want to do well in your marriage in today's world, just because of the way we are and the way we grew up and what we experienced in our culture is, it's going to require a lot of work to get there. And um, this should be no surprise if you know your Bible well. Uh, Paul, even in his day, when marriages were more about arranged marriages, more about survival, even way back then, Paul said, marriage is going to take a heck of a lot of work. But it's a lot more today. In verse 27, Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. And most scholars just assume, by the way Paul wrote, that Paul assumed that Jesus was coming back in his lifetime. Like the time is short, Jesus is coming back. So, you know, he, he kind of just said, you know, if, if you could stay single, that's a good thing because Jesus is coming back. But he goes on and in, in that light, he says, an unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can, devote, can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. And of course, that was again said in the light that he thought Jesus was coming back in his lifetime. But what he's saying is true. And back in those days when it was just about survival, he's saying, husbands, you got to serve your wife and wife, you got to serve your husbands. It's going to take work. You will be divided. You'll be divided between your job and your marriage or serving Jesus in your marriage. And it's going to take work. But the latest research says marriage takes a lot more work than even what Paul was saying because marriage is different these days. We have different desires. We, we want to find someone who's going to help us grow and move forward and feel loved at the same time. And we all know what tends to happen in marriage is, uh, you know, when you meet somebody, you have all this new relationship energy and they're the most exciting thing in the whole world and you serve them and you work at things and you try things and you do exciting things and that usually lasts a year or two as that kind of new relationship energy happens there and then, you know, eventually, you know, couples usually just hit the autopilot button and I've won them over, you know, I'm feeling comfortable and they're not quite as exciting as they once were and and you kind of just kind of maybe focus more on work, you more focus on hobbies, and, and this relationship is just an autopilot. The same reason why, you know, you know someone can be the, the nicest person in the whole world in public, and then they go home and they're just the nastiest person ever to their spouse. It's because they can't get away with it in the public, but they can get away with it at home because they've hit autopilot, and no longer are they working on their junk and trying to woo their spouse. And, and autopilot is incredibly dangerous in a marriage. Because marriage takes a whole lot of work 
and effort and personal growth and working through things and working through those childhood traumas and all that junk that happens in your life. I mean, it takes a lot of work. Marriages that go on autopilot often end up in trouble. They're the marriages that have the cracks in them that a pandemic will break open or a tragedy or something difficult will break open. Um, it takes work to be married. Philippians 2 says, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ, that Christ Jesus had. And in Matthew 20, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And we, we never want to give up serving our spouse and working on our own stuff. And it's one of the most important things is to be trying to, to work on our marriage. Read books, study, listen to stuff, take a course. I mean, if there are issues in your life that you know are hurting your marriage, uh, get a therapist, contact someone who can help you work through those things and work through them. Uh, just some things you can do to put some work into your marriage. Uh, make sure you hang out and chat. You know, it's amazing how many couples don't actually have good conversations for like a whole week or even a month. <laughs> Make sure you carve out time just to chat. Do that when you have energy. If you can, tartar with kids, I know. Ask questions about your spouse. Always be learning about your spouse. You know, one of the reasons we hit autopilot is like, I already know everything about my spouse and we hit autopilot and just go on. But people change. Your spouse or your romantic partner is constantly changing and they're constantly growing. You always have to be rediscovering who they are each and every year, each and every month. Ask a lot of questions. Again, in our modern marriage, this is really important. How can you help your partner with their dreams? This is really important to our society. Again, being good or bad, we, just, we, we want somebody who can help us grow personally and reach our dreams and, and find out our God-given gifts and how can I push you forward in those gifts? And do you know what your spouse's dreams are and their hopes and their desires? I uh, Go on getaways. Read about intimate relationships. Work on your own issues. Uh, go to therapy. I mean, I recommend this for everybody. <laughs> I've been a few times to work through stuff and it's been awesome for me, and awesome for my marriage. Uh, uh, pray for your own growth. Pray for the growth in your marriage. They've done studies where those who actually pray for their marriage tend to have better marriages. I mean, prayer changes things. Work in your marriage. The second thing I want to talk about is just recalibrating your expectations a little bit. And again, this comes out of this book. Uh, Dr. Dan Weil says, when choosing a long-term partner, you will inevitably be choosing a particular set of unsolvable problems. In other words, there's not one person out there in the entire world that is going to meet all your needs. <laughs> Everybody has issues. We all have problems. And the question is, can you be with that person with the problems that they have. I mean, sometimes that's why um, sometimes you need to, to think through before you get connected with someone for too long. But, but nobody can meet your needs. And this is what is um, really difficult about today's marriages and why they require more work. Because we have a lot of expectations on our marriages and relationships these days. Uh, Esther Perel says, we turn to one person to provide what an entire village once did. A sense of grounding, meaning, and continuity. At the same time, we expect our committed relationships to be romantic as well as emotional and sexually fulfilling. Is it any wonder that so many relationships crumble under the weight of it all? Modern life has deprived us of our traditional resources and has created a situation in which we turn to one person for the protection and emotional connections that a multitude of social networks used to provide. 
Adult intimacy has become overburdened with expectations. And this is coming out of all the latest research as well, that there's never in all of history been more expectations that we put on our romantic partners. We've just never put so many on. And part of the reason is, is because we are becoming more and more isolated. And therefore more, we expect more and more out of our spouse. I mean, you can picture it this way. You know, there's our romantic partner, but we expect a lot out of them. <laughs> I mean, our romantic partner may have, be really good at maybe two or three things. I mean, they're an orange. But we want them to be a strawberry and a banana and an orange and an apple and, and all the cherry and whipped cream on top. And we expect, I mean, this is, when they study marriages, what often is going on in modern relationships. The expectations are just crazy. Um, out of this book, uh, The All or Nothing Marriage, Eli Finkel says the same thing. Uh, it says, it's coming from the U.S. here, but probably similar in Canada. America over time piling so much expectation and responsibility on this one relationship that it threatened to buckle under strain. We Americans increasingly look to our spouse to be our best friend and closest confidant, to provide silly, sizzling sex, to help us grow as individuals, the list goes on. At the same time, we spend less time with our friends, parents, and siblings, and we are less engaged in organized civic activities outside the home. Collectively, these forces place tremendous pressure on the marital bond, and few marriages are able to withstand the stress. And again, this should be a no-brainer for us as followers of Jesus. I mean, when we look to the scriptures, I mean, there's clear teaching that that, I mean, in terms of gifting or abilities, that nobody has all the gifts. Nobody can do it all. I mean, Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. And then later says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healings? Do we all have the ability to speak an unknown language? And the answer was, is not everybody has those gifts. Your spouse doesn't have all those gifts. And, and we look to our spouse sometimes to have all the, you, you obviously must have all the spiritual gifts because that's what I need. It's like, no, you need community. You need the church. You need others because your spouse can't do it all and you got to have realistic expectations and not expect your spouse to be everything for you. And so a lot of modern marriage advice, and this would be very in lines with biblical advice, is to surround yourself with more people and allow others to meet needs your spouse can't. And, uh, and they've done studies on this. Um, one study from Northwestern University found that people who looked to a very small number of people to help them manage their emotions had a lower quality of life compared to those who looked to a, a large group of people to help them through this life had a higher quality of life. And again, that's a no-brainer. That's what the church is to be. A lot of people, we surround ourselves with all these different gifts and you might have one gift and I go to you for this, but you don't have that other gift that I need, so I go to this person or that person. And to have this community of people surrounding you to help you through things. But the reality is uh, one in three married people are actually very lonely. Married people can be some of the loneliest people on the planet. 
And studies show that often when you get married, you tend to kind of pull away from other friends and community a little bit, and you just have your spouse, and therefore all these expectations of, that you had from all these people get put on your spouse, and you're wondering like, why isn't this person there for me in every situation? It's because they can't be there for you in every situation. Now, saying this, there are certain expectations that are good to have on your spouse. Like, you should have an expectation that they're not going to control you or not beat you or abuse, be abusive to you. I mean, those are just standard expectations that you should have for your spouse. And the sad thing is, I mean, during this whole pandemic, they've, they've called uh, spousal and abuse the, the shadow pandemic. That um, spousal abuse has never been as high as it has been now. Because again, people are stuck more at home and, and there's less support and um, it's been sad that way. But we can put it this way, a little picture. Here we have a, a gal named uh, Jasmine here in the picture. And this is before she's married. For career fulfillment, she has a friend named Janine that if she has problems with her career or needs information, she goes to Janine, her good friend. And then uh, he, she goes to Dylan for artistic expression because he's, he's a friend that she has. He's a great artist and, and she likes art. And then uh, she goes to Beatrice, who is her jogging partner. And then, you know, Alice, who helps her with personal growth and self-insight and spiritual things. And then she goes to this other gal for adventure and life. And she has this community of people where all these different needs are being met by all these different people because not one person can meet all your needs. But then what happens is Jasmine gets married to James. James is great at career fulfillment. He's pretty good at physical fitness, but he's not an artist. And he's not very good at, you know, helping her grow in her personal growth and not very good with adventure. And, but she's cut herself off from her community. Now she's expecting James to be everything to her, but he can't be. What she needs to do is take her expectations and make them a bit more realistic. You know, what is my spouse good at and what needs can they meet? And then for these other things, I need to go get into community, find some friends, find other places where these needs can be met. You know, I have a personally have a great need for the outdoors. I am a super outdoors person. I'm always in the outdoors on my motorbike, snowmobiling, skiing, whatever. But you know, Marie's not much of an outdoors person. But I have awesome friends that I hang out with when I go outdoors. And it's not a burden on my marriage because I don't expect that out of her because I have community connections in that area that I meet with other people in that. Um, how about you? I mean, those areas of need, do you have other people in your community and even if you're single, this is goes for you as single. Do you have a variety of people to help you meet your needs to get you through life? Again, Esther Perel, she uh, says, too much is expected of modern relationships. Your partner is supposed to be your best friend and your lover and your psychotherapist and your childcare co-worker and you know your dishwasher, everything. And those roles historically used to be spread out within communal structures. And it seems like this pandemic has only magnified the degree to which you're forced to rely on your partners. And so some questions you can maybe ask. Uh, what needs does your spouse meet for you? Because they have some gifts. They're going to be good at some things. Uh, what needs is he or she not meeting? Do you have realistic expectations of those unmet needs? In other words, are you expecting too much of your spouse? Are, are those expectations realistic? Uh, can some of those needs be met by making friends or in getting involved in community? And, and we know it is hard to make friends in today's world, and it's hard sometimes to get involved in community, but just research is showing that if you want to have a great marriage, the best marriages 
contain two people who actually are well connected to other folks. And in the end, one of those people that we need to lean on, of course, is Jesus. Um, we lean on our spouse for some things. We lean on our friends for other things. But one connection that we absolutely need, that all of us need, is this connection with Jesus. There's something about Jesus that satisfies. There's something about when you have a connection with Jesus, it, 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 it fulfills the need that you don't have to place on your spouse. I can give you help and energy to make it through this life and to have a better marriage. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Or Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Or John 7, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. One of those connections we need is not just with our spouse or your romantic partner, is we need a connection with Jesus. It's a connection where life flows, and that life flows in, and it flows out upon our marriage.